0: Well, it takes a lot to find a news story that runs a shiver down my spine these days. And not too long ago, we had one pop-up that had a mom who was pregnant, who caught COVID, held her daughter for just a couple of minutes, and then after that, got into this terrible fight with COVID and died. And this is not just a one-off, this has become a trend. So. When we were thinking about doing this for a podcast, my amazing tag team partner, Ginger Gadsden, she had a scheduling conflict today, so you're stuck with just me. But I do have a fantastic guest for you, the best OBGYN I know. And you might be saying to yourself, Matt, what the hell would you know about an OB? You're a guy. Well, this one delivered one of my children. So uh, she's fantastic. Her name is Dr. Pamela Snook, and she is uh, she's a really good OB. Uh, runs a few practices, and I know that she is seeing this right now. So I wanted to get her perspective. Uh, I, I was I'm curious, Dr. Snook. Do you know how long it has been since we've seen each other? Because there's a birthday coming up. What would yeah. you guess?
1: I figure yeah, it's Sawyer's birthday, right? Coming yes. up. Yes. I know, and I'm gonna guess she.
0: Eight or nine now? Oh wow. You okay. The the time is traveling fast for you. Uh six years okay. old, she'll be in September. Six years
1: old, okay. So yeah,
0: hasn't been that I long. I get to
1: look back on that. I haven't seen you guys in a <laughs> while, so I was I was just
0: like, oh wow. that is was she? my that was my ultimate test question. Um yeah. no, no, we have a we have a lot to talk about, but uh she is a beautiful baby and she's now a beautiful kid, and you did a wonderful job. And uh, and it's great to see you again. But I know that I, I was hoping to see you under better circumstances. It, it's not right now. So so, what are you seeing in your practice with these pregnant women?
1: Yeah, you know, Matt, it's real interesting, and I think I think the world can relate to this and understand that where we thought we were four to six weeks ago, right, with COVID, we thought we were in a place where things were getting so much better, numbers were coming down. Um, and i think all of us that we've returned to school your kids are going to school and it's going to be a normal year for them and suddenly found ourselves in a place where um i knew that we were getting into somewhere where we we didn't want to be when uh, i was on vacation and i got a phone call that said dr snook your elective surgical cases are getting canceled next week Uh, we're seeing uh, an increase in COVID again and it's coming back and the hospitals are now back in black status, which, which describes that they're getting to almost full capacity. So shockingly, I was there and I thought, oh my gosh, there's no way we're, we're back. We're getting back to where we were, what's going on? And uh, the Delta variant presented itself, right? So I came back from vacation and started hearing you know, the same news stories that you're hearing, right? This, wow, this is really affecting pregnant patients. What in the world is happening here? Um, and so it's exactly what people are saying and, and we are seeing it on the front lines That now pregnant patients are getting really, really sick with COVID. Um, and because of that they're delivering their babies early, like you mentioned, and some of them ultimately um, are, are succumbing to this disease. So it's become uh, a local, a statewide and now, you know, a country pandemic issue that uh, I'm glad that I'm here to talk about and, and, and talk what's really going on there.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you're here too. And I'm, I guess I'm just confused as to did this change? Did this change with the variant coming along? Because I wasn't hearing many stories at all about pregnant women who are really struggling this with this. We, we've we been painting this picture of if you're old and infirmed, you're pretty much the only person who has to worry about this stuff. But so so were pregnant women affected like say a year ago when things were heating up or or did it change with the variant?
1: And I think what's happened, and when you look back on things, and um, is that pregnant women, when they're newly pregnant, they're in that first trimester, they're young and they're healthy, right? And we had this assumption uh, that if you're young and you're healthy, because COVID is really affecting Mm -hmm. older, that you'll be okay, that you'll be safe. Um, And I think pregnant women um, didn't want to, their decision was, well, even if there's a little bit of controversy surrounding the vaccine, I will choose to, because I think I'll be okay, I'm young and healthy, I will choose to protect my unborn child as well and not get vaccinated. And here we are, right, almost nine months later, right, after everybody could start getting vaccinated in this uh, third trimester uh, whirlwind of, oh goodness, now we're in third trimester where we see all the lung issues. We see the immunocompromised issues And now these patients are those that are in third trimester getting very sick because they chose not to get vaccinated. And quite honestly, I think I understand that decision initially. I think putting any mother in a position that says, you could, we don't know the long-term studies of this. You could potentially maybe hurt your baby making that decision to not get vaccinated. That was her decision then. Um, And now we're realizing that that was not the best decision because of what we're seeing. So I think that's why we're here. I think nine months later, that's why we're here because they were otherwise young, healthy, and and unaffected at that point. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. So it sounds like it's attacking these women kind of later on, like, I guess, if is is there a point in your pregnancy, I know, things get tighter on your lungs, and there's more blood flow and all that sort of thing. Is that where it starts to complicate things, at least as it seems?
1: Yeah. And, and it's mainly that third trimester. So um, 28 weeks and, and, and beyond uh, where the uterus is pushing up on that lungs. And if you can, if you can imagine something really tight and trying to take a deep breath in and to clear that oxygen, that's really hard to do when you're in your third trimester without COVID. I mean, you know, respiratory complaints are, are always prevalent. And Nealus is saying the setting of an infectious disease like this, so we're seeing them at their most vulnerable time. Like they're most vulnerable when they're in their third trimester, um, and then they're also immunocompromised. So their immune system isn't strong enough to fight this virus off um, effectively, and so that is why we're seeing so many um, uh, preterm deliveries because it's an effort to try to get that weight off, get that get get their respiratory. Uh, Status back to baseline as an effort to help them recover. Um, But in exchange for that, we're seeing many more preterm deliveries and the consequences of that um, on these tiny babies, right? So um, that's where the public um, message is right now, to to try to bring it full circle and educate um, on why now we know. Um, The vaccines are sort of the critical thing that's, that's helping. We're seeing that if they're vaccinated, they may still get infected, but they aren't getting hospitalized. They're doing Mm. well as long as they're vaccinated. Um, But if they're not vaccinated, those are the ones that we're seeing um, with the deliveries and and needing ICU support. Um, So... There was also interestingly enough. I was reading this article on Bloomberg, and it was talking about um, it was talking about pregnancy and how more likely they are to be intubated. That's where we stick that tube down the throat mm-hmm. and have to uh, ventilate for them. And being pregnant, it was a, an it a statistic. Um, the statistic was a little bit skewed, I would say, because it was comparing. Uh, moms that didn't have COVID versus pregnant moms versus pregnant moms that did. So I didn't really like that statistic too much because it seemed a little too scary. But in reading the articles, real interesting in that there was uh, a myth out there, which they may talk about in the community that getting vaccinated leads to infertility. So in that women's health initiative, oh no, no, I don't want to get vaccinated Mm -hmm. because there's this myth that I might become infertile. Very interesting that we don't do studies on pregnant women. We just don't ethically. We don't not yet, not in this country. And a lot of pregnant women just, they won't sign up for that. Right. We're not going to, I'm not going to be studied in pregnancy. Sure. What they did find is studies that said, Hey, we gave these vaccines to people that were pregnant at the time. We didn't know it. We gave them and we followed them and guess what? They are fine. They didn't have an increased risk of miscarriage and also, Hey, I got vaccinated last month and I got pregnant the next month. So the myth of infertility that was going and coinciding with this vaccination has been totally debunked. We've been able to prove that by looking back retrospectively. That's great news. That in of itself says, hey, I think some of these younger women who are going to be pregnant and going to be delivering in third trimester, oh, if we can get them vaccinated, then we're ahead of the game. So that was really great news to hear this coming out, that we're talking about this and trying to dispel that myth in of itself. Um, so that, that was great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear you say that because it was, it's true. Like no, no woman, no pregnant woman is going to sign up for a study, but that's interesting that they found them basically accidentally. They, they did it while they were pregnant or they got pregnant right after that. But I was thinking as, uh, as I was thinking about talking to you, it has to be some really tough Conversations going on in your office right now, because as you were saying, these women are hesitant to do anything that could possibly even 00 percent one you know chance of hurting their baby. I know my wife when she was pregnant, she wouldn't eat a sandwich. You know, she like wouldn't do all this sushi was like a death sentence. You know, so uh, avoid caffeine, every possible thing. So I understand. The rationale. So what what are you telling them in your office? And are you getting a lot of pushback from from ladies who are pregnant?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It, it, it there's kind of like two schools. There's the 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 absolute nose absolutely will not do it. I, you know, never don't even bring it up anymore. I'm not going to get vaccinated. And then there's it the large majority, I would say 75% of my patients ha- are amendable to the conversation and actually just didn't put it as a priority to talk about. Maybe they didn't wanna talk about it in the sense of having that pressure or having to make that decision, right? Um, So now we bring it up. um, And I I will say that these last four weeks have been really tough and and having this conversation over and over and over in a day. Um, But we bring it up now. And I didn't bring it up as much when I thought we were almost out of it, right? There are these political implications that we're going, you know, I just don't wanna touch it. You just want to assume that people will get it and they know to get it. And now we say, Hey, this is really a health crisis. And I can't, I know personally, I know, you know, all OBGYNs feel, I can't go to bed at night, not going into work every day and educating and knowing that at least I'm doing my part and that they're the, the decision is on, on them, but that I have brought studies to the forefront that I have bought uh, the experiences in the community to the forefront for discussion, um, and I'll tell you a simple thing. If if, if I have listeners out there that are are physicians and and want to know what I did, um, one of the best things I've done is we have a we have TVs in our exam room, and each exam room we can run a slideshow through, and we used to have this like, you can do this, inspirational, you know, all these like fun things we find I said you know what take all that down and just put information about myths and truths of the vaccine just so that can spark a conversation with the patient if they see it on the exam room tv um that in itself has really brought the conversation full circle just from them sitting there and seeing and saying I meant to ask about that what are your thoughts on that so that visual sort of stimulus the conversation it also has sort of been like that segue to ease the conversation, where we can talk when they really are adamant about not getting the vaccine. Um, and we've also sent out an email. We took some statistics from our local hospital system, very alarming statistics of things that were actually true and happening. This wasn't in the media. This was statistics from Central Florida's largest hospital system, and we took that data and we we shared it with our patients. Right, one in four. Um, and to beta patients as of two weeks ago were pregnant in, in our local ICUs. And we share that information through an email, all of, our, all of our patients, whether they were pregnant or not pregnant. It turns out that the conversation says, wow, I didn't realize locally it was that like that. That has really sparked me to go get the vaccine or, hey, my friend is pregnant I sent that email to her so that she could see, and she's getting vaccinated tomorrow, Doctor Snook. So it's really taken it to another level of something as simple as being proactive and educating the importance of it.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and and it's hard, you know, as someone in the media, people are so skeptical of pretty much anything we have to say, especially medically. It's also political now, even if we say a doctor says this. So I think that's a great idea is to send out the email directly from you guys, and that was what sparked. My interest in this was that 25% of the people intubated at Advent Health were pregnant moms. I was like, uh, that, that knocked me over. I, I was totally stunned by that. So I want to ask you the question straight up, okay? I know you're the mom, you have two boys, yeah. okay? If you were pregnant with one of those boys, how comfortable would you be to get the vaccine? 150%
1: wouldn't hesitate, would run to get it. Run. <laughs> pregnant 36 weeks imagine what that would look like (laughs) that would be quite the scene yeah yeah so (laughs) no no hesitation at all in doing that
0: okay all right good to know I also am curious as to what it's been like being an OB throughout this whole crisis now um because you are hospitals seem to be designed just pretty much all COVID right now so how do you Work around that system to be able to do your job. It has to be complicated, I would imagine.
1: Oh wow, you know it's complicated. It's it's complicated more even in you know even in the pregnant mom that 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 she's going to deliver. And, oh my gosh, I she you know here's another scenario that I thought we should we could talk about and that I wouldn't think about otherwise unless I experienced it. Um, you know, with COVID and all the beds and all the resources and all the nursing focused on that, there still are things that need attention. Surgical cases that need to go forward um, that unfortunately are getting delayed, uh, rescheduled, or if they're not desired, you know, imminent. We can't, we can't do that, right? Um, And an example of this in my field was I had a patient that needed to have a procedure because she she had a miscarriage and she needed help. She wasn't critical, right? But she tested positive for COVID, asymptomatic, didn't get vaccinated. And so her surgery got canceled, okay? And it got postponed because it wasn't emergent at the time. And they had all the resources focused on COVID patients. It turns out that that patient, not her choice at all, but she ended up having a miscarriage on her on her own when she didn't want that and ended up back in the ER, needed some blood transfusion. It was kind of a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. And, and this didn't affect her because she had a baby. It actually affected her because she couldn't get the treatment early on in pregnancy that she needed because of the resources of COVID. Well, that's a challenging place to be as a provider. Oh, wow. I never thought of it like I couldn't do your non-emergent procedure that you need Mm -hmm. um, because you tested positive for COVID. We can't ventilate a COVID positive patient. She didn't get vaccinated. Here we are. And there's the consequences of that too. You know what I did, Matt? I sat down and I saw her for for follow-up. And I said, do you mind me asking? This was this whole delay and everything was very interesting to me in that you tested positive for COVID and you didn't get the vaccine. Do you think that you would change your mind now? Do you think looking back, had you known the safety profile and had you known this, would you? She goes, "I am going to recover from this and I am going to go get vaccinated as soon as I can." Yeah. And she says, "Absolutely. If I had been vaccinated, I would have gotten my procedure. I wouldn't test positive. I wouldn't all of those things."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I thought that was pretty powerful. I thought yeah. I thought that conversation was meaningful. Um, So it's bigger than that. It's bigger than the story of the mom that unfortunately, you know, ends up passing away and then has a preemie baby. It's actually it has multiple spokes on this wheel of how this is affecting our community, of which I would never have even imagined that COVID would have that sort of impact.
0: Yeah, I would have thought about that and complicating. A time in a woman's life that's already just so brutal and tragic as I can't even imagine that so uh, terrible that you're having to navigate and they're having to navigate through those situations I do before I let you go I want to ask you about the monoclonal antibodies Um, I'm very curious so if you're a pregnant woman you find out that you have uh, COVID maybe you're in a second third trimester would you be recommending at this point that they go They go get one of these monoclonal yes, antibody is treatments? Yeah, this
1: like the newest thing out there, right? This is, I mean, newest in the discussion and conversation of pregnancy. Um, because up until a few weeks ago, we didn't have enough right studies, data. We didn't know what we were gonna do with this intervention and treatment. Um, and we had a patient ask about it two days ago and she tested positive for COVID. She was within the 10 day window. So if you're 10 days into your symptoms, then you are a candidate to receive monoclonal antibodies. Um, and Advent Health has put out, um, so that's another email saying, "Hey, we've got all the, these remote sites where we can get this administered." Um, so, in the right patient, right? This is this is um, this is maybe a good idea um, to get this administered. They now say it's okay in pregnancy to get this administered. My fear, though, is this. My fear <laughs> everywhere in this is that this gets misconstrued or misconceived as a viable treatment um, in lieu of a vaccine. And the message is not that. The message is don't forgo, you know, forgo the vaccine and just realize that monoclonal antibodies are out there mm-hmm. but when you do get it, we'll give you this. Cause none of that's FDA approved either. Right. So I get nervous that that message might start getting disseminated or that, or yes, I can just get the monoclonal antibodies treatment and not get vaccinated. That's no better, um, and we don't know. So I just, you know, I wanted as that's gotten pushed to the forefront in pregnancy, and now it's available for pregnant patients. You know, the message is clear. The message is, please get vaccinated. And if you're a candidate for monoclonal antibodies, then we can discuss that in the event of an infection uh, when it's when it's there. Yeah. Um. I've had a pa- I've had friends ask me, oh, hey, I've got a patient or a friend that's that's in the ICU at Winter Park or whatever. Why can't they get monoclonal antibodies? They're admitted. Uh, And the answer is, is that ventilated patients and those that have severe disease actually do worse. So I know there's a lot of buzz about monoclonal antibodies. It's it's for the right people out there. It is now actually being administered in pregnancy, which is relevant to our podcast, but I wouldn't view that as some sort of life-saving treatment. um, And hopefully people will get that message.
0: Get the stankin' vaccine, (laughs) do it. (laughs) Don't rely on something else. Just get that vaccine, which now the Pfizer is fully 100% FDA approved. So that excuse is now out the window. Dr. Pamela Snook, fantastic job. Always great talking to you. Also, by the way, her husband, Dr. Chase Fawcett, been on this podcast before, one of my favorite all-time guests. And we even had to edit a little bit of him out, telling us, telling some of our, uh, some of his emergency room uh,
1: oh <laughs> stories. Boy. It always goes there. It always goes uh, there. It's the best. Table conversations are interesting in our household for sure.
0: I bet, I bet. And he is good at a party. So thank you so much for awesome. talking to us, uh, Dr. Pamela, Dr. Dr. Pamela Sook. Yeah, it's our pleasure. And uh, by the way, if you ever want to check out one of her practices, Contemporary Women's, it's in uh, Winter Park, Lake Nona, anywhere else?
1: That's it. We got it. Those two secured.
0: Dr. Snook, you have a great one. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Matt.